It was the scariest, um, most difficult, confusing, exciting, most wonderful day of. When you realize that God is allowing you to be a father, I, I don't, I don't know what to compare that to, you know. And then, on top of that, when you. When it, when it seems that he's deemed you fit to be the stepfather to his son, that's, that's overwhelming. Um, he's, uh, he's perfectly healthy, happy baby boy that um, came into the world, I guess, just like most every other kid, you know. Um, I, I get why they call it labor. <laughs> I, I mean, since I was 12, I've worked every day of my life, but I, I've never worked as hard as Mary worked that night. She was, she was amazing. And then not just that night, I mean, through all of it, through, through the months of people talking about us behind our back and um, the week-long journey to Bethlehem. And then... And then we get there, and she, she, she takes an ordinary feeding trough and, uh, and turns it into a cradle. And none of it seemed to phase her. She's amazing. And you know what, through, through all of it, I never heard her once ask why. Why? You know, she just... She just did everything God asked her to do. And if she didn't understand why things happened, she knew God was in control. She just, she, she, she followed his will. I, I get, I get it. Man, I get why God chose her. I really do. What I don't, understand is why he chose me. You take your Bibles out and uh, your sermon notes, which are on the back of your bulletin. We're going to talk about Joseph this morning. We're in a series called First Christmas, looking at the people that made up the, the first Christmas and, and their stories. And today we're going to look at the life of Joseph. I'll never forget when I became a dad almost 18 years ago and our son Luke was born. It was the most amazing night of my life. It was wonderful in every way. There were some tremendous complications when he was born and so it was the most terrifying night of my life. So it was good, it was bad, it was intoxicating, it was... I think that night I felt every emotion a human being can feel. And I think any man that's in here today that's a, a father can say that night is an amazing night. It's wonderful in every way as you hold your child, and I didn't get to hold Luke right away, but when I finally did, you never knew you could love someone so much. 
And at the same time, you realize that you are now the provider. And you're going to be called on by God to raise that son, in my case, a son. And so it is, it's awe-inspiring, those moments of being a dad. I don't know any man that says, oh, no big deal. It was no big deal. That's a big deal. And Joseph gets to be the stepfather to God. So we're going to look at his story in Matthew chapter 1, if you have your Bibles there. You can just keep it open to Matthew chapter 1 for our entire time together today. We're going to move quickly through this story because Matthew tells the story, a Christmas story, from Joseph's perspective. Luke tells the story from Mary's perspective, but Matthew chooses to tell it from Joseph's perspective. And so today we read from Matthew chapter 1 and beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the story, the Christmas story, told from Joseph's perspective. What's interesting about Joseph is he's kind of a background character, although very important, kind of a background character in the story, because you notice he doesn't say anything. Joseph doesn't get any lines. He doesn't get to say anything. He's probably a quiet guy. Mary gets all the good lines in the story. She even gets a song she gets to sing. She's the adorable one, the one that everybody loves, but here's Joseph. He's just kind of the, the background character. Have you ever put your nativity scene up and, and you realize how much Joseph actually looks like the shepherds and you're trying to figure out, is that really Joseph? Did I, did I put the right guy in the place? Because God chooses this indistinguishable guy to be the father. He said in the video, I, I, whenever you're called to be a father, that's an awesome thing, but when you are called to be the stepdad of God Almighty. Wow. Because at this point in history, God's very distant. He's far away. They have heard stories. But God is out there somewhere. He's not nearby. He's, he's distant. He's, he's far. And then God's going to become a human so he can be right there, close, and, and right beside us as human beings. And so the presence of God became present. He became Emmanuel, which means God with us, and we would never be alone again. And here's Joseph, and he gets why God chose Mary. He gets why God chose Mary. He chose Mary. He saw something beautiful in this young teenager, 
and said, I want her to be my wife. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. There's something special about her. There's something wonderful and precious about her. She's beautiful on the inside and out. There's something that I love about this woman. And so he gets why God chose her. That's an easy one. And he also gets why they call it labor. Any dad that's been in the delivery room can say amen right now. It's called labor for a reason. And it's funny what happens because something happens when we become parents. Like emotionally and physically and mentally. There is nothing like when a woman goes into mom mode. When Leslie goes into mom mode, our house will never be the same. She wants to help the kids clean their room or rearrange rooms or furniture and stuff. And I'll come home and she will have moved furniture that I can barely lift myself from the basement to the second floor, somehow, some way, I'm like, I don't know, I just, I just wanted to do it. There's something about going into mom mode. Dads are strong, they protect, but you watch out. You stay away from mama bear when she's on the prowl. We can't forget that Mary's also a teenager at this time, a young teenager, with all the hopes and dreams of a young teenage girl. Think of the talks that Joseph and Mary probably had in, in their courtship because they wouldn't have gone out on dates, but they'd be allowed to talk. And, and Remember when you were getting married and the person you were getting married to you would talk about the future and all the things that were going to happen? She's a young girl with a lot of dreams, and Joseph has shared his heart with her, and he's seen something very special in her, and they're like, we're going to have a great life together, and then God comes in, and he messes up everything. He changes everything. And they are both willing to do whatever God's asked them to do. They're willing to be the town gossip, and, and that's a big deal because in that day, gossip could kill you. If somebody wanted to push the law, that could have brought about a bad situation. But they say the two most fragile things in the world, they're a man's ego and a woman's reputation. And they laid down both. They said, we are willing to do Whatever God has called us to do, we'll step up and we will do what God has asked us to do. This is where you get your notes out. I'm going to give you some things from the story, some takeaways from the story, from Joseph's perspective, some, some things that we can apply to our lives. And they come from Matthew chapter 1, but let me give you these takeaways. The first one is, our good plans may not be God's best plans. Our good plans may not be God's best plans. I know that Joseph had some plans. I know he's a carpenter. He's going to build them a home. It's going to be beautiful. He's going to give Mary the best life possible. That's what he's hoping. That's what he's dreaming. Mary probably has all these plans as well, but God says, I have different plans. I'm going to save the world. That's a good plan, God. I think we'll do your plan. But it's big. It's different. It changes their plans. And it says in Proverbs, 16.9, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We have to be willing and obedient, saying, God, whatever you want to do, your plans are best. Number two, God will share his plans with us. God will share his plans with us. I want to tell you, God speaks. To Joseph, he spoke in a dream. To Mary, he spoke through an angel. But God will speak to you. He will speak to you through his word. He will speak to you through the Holy Spirit, maybe even a prophetic word. But God will speak to you. He will share his plans with you. The question is, are you going to listen to God? Are you going to believe him and put your hope in him and listen to what God 
will say to you, because I believe God will share his plans with us. It says in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know, what his, doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I have made known to you. I believe that God speaks to us when we're listening. God will share his plans with us because we are his friends. Number three, we may not understand or like everything God speaks to us. There are going to be things that God asks us to do, maybe even his word, and, and we're asked to obey, and we're like, really, God? We find ourselves in a life circumstance that we don't understand or we don't like, and we say, really? And, and so we immediately begin to question God. We ask him why. We want to know why. We demand that God explains himself, and, and that's okay to do because Moses did it, David did it, and Job, especially Job, Right? I want, a, I want a meeting with you, God. And, and when Job gets that meeting with God, God basically says, well, I'm God and you're not. And what happens at that point is we have to just live in faith. We just have to live in faith. We have to believe that God knows best. We have to believe that his plans are better than my plans and that, that he is God. It says in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways, or your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As, high, or as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, just trust me. Just have faith in me. Believe in me. And then that leads us to the next one, which is be faithful and obedient. Be faithful and obedient. Whatever God's asking you to do, just be faithful and obedient. It says that, Joseph was faithful in every aspect of the law at the beginning of our story. And then when everything's been revealed to him, he said, it says that Joseph did exactly what the angel told him to do. He listened and obeyed in everything. That's our call, to listen and obey in everything. The next one is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That's the first thing that angel says to uh, Joseph. He says, don't be afraid to do what I'm asking you to do. Don't be afraid to do what God asks you to do. That's the number one command in Scripture. It's not love God. It's not obey God. The number one command in Scripture is do not be afraid. If that's the number one command, that's probably the number one response we have in life. That we get scared. We see things around us or God asks us to do something big, and so we get scared. But remember, if God is leading you and you are close to him, he has a plan, and he's got the details covered. So don't be afraid. Number six, God will fulfill his word. God will perform, fulfill his word. How many of you would like me to give you $1 million for Christmas? How many of you would like me to wrap up $1 million and place it on your tree? How many? Okay, good. Here's something important. Always consider who is making the promise. A guy that had a hard time finding a $10 bill to give to his kids to go to a basketball tournament is not the guy to promise you a million dollars under your tree. But consider the one who makes the promise. It's not a man. It's God. When God says something in his word, it's going to happen. 
When God speaks something, it's going to happen because it's not a man sharing it, it's God sharing it. Consider who made the promise. Consider God. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. They're yes in Christ. It is going to happen. No matter what he says, it will happen. Our job is to say, amen, so be it. Because God, you said it. And we believe it. Number seven, he is Emmanuel. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. That's what it says, that he is with us and we will never be alone again. So we learn from the story that Jesus came and that he is with us and we will never be alone. In our video, we saw Joseph say, I get why he chose Mary. And we've already looked at Mary. I mean, we, we know. I'm going to actually preach on Mary on Christmas uh, weekend. So in a couple weekends, we're going to talk about Mary. And, and she's fantastic. And we get why God chose Mary. But Joseph said something very telling at the end of that video. He says, I get why he chose Mary. What I don't understand is why he chose me. This indistinguishable, quiet carpenter. Why did he choose me? And I think if, if we were real honest in, in the room today, that, that most of us wouldn't side with the Mary. We'd side probably with the Joseph. It's like, I don't know why God would choose me. That, that, that somehow we feel unworthy to be used by God. And even worse, we, we feel unworthy to be loved by God. That we feel, I, I don't know why he would choose me. And that's why, if you have your Bibles open, look at, look at Matthew chapter 1 again. I mentioned this in the Sons and Daughters series that we did. A, a few weeks back, I preached on grace. And, and, I, and I brought out Matthew chapter 1. And if you see there in your Bible, Matthew chapter 1 at the beginning is the genealogy between Abraham and Jesus. And you, you see all the men and women in this genealogy. When you start looking at the men in this group, you're talking about adulterers and murderers. You're talking about liars and cheaters. And you're like, God, how in the world did you use this group of guys to bring about Jesus? And then when a genealogy mostly has men or only has men in ancient texts, it never has women, Matthew decides to throw three women into the mix as well. And he doesn't pick the good women either. He doesn't pick Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel. He doesn't pick the, them. He picks three women. He picks Tamar and Rahab and Bathsheba. Tamar, who tricks her father-in-law into having sex with her so she can get pregnant. And, and that, that baby boy is in the line of Jesus. Rahab, a, a prostitute who's not even Jewish, who gets married into the Jewish culture, and she then has a baby that's in the line of Jesus. Bathsheba, who committed adultery with David, is in the line of Jesus. You begin to look at, at this, the, God's using some of the most unlikely people, and then you look through the, the genealogy and you realize there's a whole bunch of people. We don't even know who these people are. They're not even mentioned in the Old Testament. They're a bunch of nobodies. And God, yet God chose those nobodies to bring about the birth of Jesus. So I was meditating on that this week. I, I, I thought of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 20, 126. Not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Look at that for just a moment. Not wise, 
not mighty, not noble. Guess what? You qualify. Isn't that good news? You qualify. He doesn't pick the wise. He doesn't pick the noble. He doesn't pick the kings and the queens. He, he chooses us. You qualify to be chosen and loved and used by God. And you know what that tells me? Is that we have a God in whose kingdom, we have a God who decides to choose carpenters rather than kings. He doesn't choose the kings. He chooses the carpenters. He chooses the lowly. He chooses the quiet. He chooses, he chooses the one that no one else would choose. The nobodies, the indistinguishable. They're not, they're not noble or wise or, or mighty. He, he chooses you and me. Last week we talked about Elizabeth. He chose Elizabeth who had been barren her entire life. He chose Mary, a young teenage girl. He chose, chooses Joseph, this humble carpenter. We have a God who doesn't choose kings. He chooses carpenters. And so instead of asking, why would God choose me? Why don't we start asking, why wouldn't God choose me? Why wouldn't God choose me? Because God has chosen you. You think he doesn't know how you failed? You think he doesn't know the skill level that you have? He knows all of that, and yet he loves you and chooses you. He chooses some of you to work with our kids in Awana. He chooses others to buy presents for prisoners. He will choose others on Wednesday to work in our pantry. He might choose you to, to take a missions trip. He, he may choose you. I don't know how he'll choose you, but he will choose you to share himself with the world. He will choose you. And our response should just be very simple. God, just use me. And, and know that he's planning on using you anyway. Just say, God... Use me. I know, what you, I know you know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing, but, but God, I'm going to apply the principles that I've learned from Joseph today in my story. And, and God, I'm just going to, I'm going to know that you're doing a good work. You're God. I'm not. And I will just listen to you. It's one thing to say, God, I'll listen to you. And, and here's your servant. I'm waiting. It's another thing to do what God asks you to do. But I want to tell you that he is with you. And he's called you for a purpose and a reason. And there's something that only you can do. And you will never be alone. Jesus came to prove that. And he is with us always. I think what's most interesting about this story is that the last thing in Matthew 1.28.1, the last thing the, the angel says to Joseph is it's, his name will be Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. What I find absolutely remarkable about that statement is that God's saying to Joseph, Joseph, there's a plan. You're a part of that plan. I'm calling on you to be the, the stepdad to my child. And, and the plan for his life is to save the world. And what I, what I find remarkable is that by being a part of God's plan, Joseph saw salvation in the process. That, that through God's plan and being obedient to God's plan, God brought the salvation of the world, which includes Joseph. And so, so Joseph was saved because he followed God's plan. I believe that when we do what God has called us to do, we are part of God's redemption plan for the entire world, but at the same time, he's redeeming you and me. That we are blessed as we follow God. To be a blessing, yes, to this world, but, but in, the, in, in the meantime, we're blessed 
We receive when we say yes to God. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? Because I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you now. We've been talking about Joseph, but now it's time to look into the mirror. And God's Word is the mirror to us today. And so with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to think about your response today. God didn't just call Joseph. He's calling you. You you are worthy. God does love you. He's not a God who chooses kings. He's a God who chooses carpenters. He's the one that chooses the quiet and the humble. The ones that are indistinguishable in the background. He chooses us all. And it's just up to us to respond. I believe when we respond in the process, we are saved. The Christmas season is a perfect time to come into relationship with Jesus. If you are far away from him today, or maybe this is your first time in a church, or maybe you're just hearing this as you're watching online, or listening on the radio or TV, I want you today to make a a commitment to follow Jesus. In the Advent season, the Christmas season, Jesus came. But he didn't come just to be a baby. He came to die on a cross first. And we remembered that today when we, when we took communion together, remembering that his sacrifice was the payment for our sins. And then when he rose from the dead, he gives us new life. And so today I want you to surrender your life to him. And so as you surrender your life to him today, I'm going to ask all of us to do this because I believe that when we surrender to God, God will use us in ways that are far beyond what we could ever ask or think. And so whether you, you've prayed a prayer to follow Jesus many years ago or you pray it every time or this is your first time or maybe you're far away from him today and you want to come home, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. And ask you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. And in just a moment, I'm going to pray for each one of us here. I'm going to pray that, that we would have just that spirit of Joseph inside of us. But before I pray, I'm just going to ask you to, to listen to a song by Michael Card that he wrote about Joseph. And allow, just allow the, the words to speak to you, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you for the next few minutes. And then I'm going to pray for us uh, before we go today.
the response of uh, us today. How can it be that you would love us and choose us, and yet you do? And God, I pray that, uh, Lord, you would take us. uh, We're not wise, we're not mighty, we're not noble, but we are willing, and God, you will make us able. And so, Lord, we submit to you today, and God, I thank you for what you've called us to be, called us to do, And uh, Lord, I pray that we would just draw near to you, that we would walk in your strength and your power. And Lord, that you would use us to save this world. And in the process, Lord, that you would save us. God, thank you for the privilege of following you. And God, thank you for choosing us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God loves you. He has chosen you. And you are called to do great things for him. Before we go this morning, uh, we, every Communion Sunday we receive an offering uh, for the poor. Uh, it's just something Jesus asked us to do. And, and so um, what we do uh, once a month is we receive an offering for those in need. Uh, the people that are in need maybe in our congregation. There's many people going through a difficult time, especially at Christmas time. Uh, you know, there are people in our community that we help. There may be somebody on the other side of the world. Wherever the need arises, we, uh, we try to help the poor, the under-resourced, the, the needy among us. And, and uh, so if you are going through a difficult time, this is an above and beyond offering. Please don't feel any obligation to give. This is, this is, not, this is just for people that maybe have a little more money at the end of the month, and they are willing to share that with someone else. And so that's what this offering is for. And again, it's above and beyond. So thank you for giving. And... Uh, and uh, they take great care in, um, in sharing this with uh, a lot of people uh, that need it. So thank you for your uh, generosity, and we know that God's going to use that in many lives. So men and women, come forward. God, thank you for this opportunity to give again. We give in worship to you.